The sermon text is in the first four verses of this chapter. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry, for which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against any. Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called, in one body. And be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh not with eye service, as men-pleasers, 
but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. I'll read those first four verses again. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Resurrection Sunday. My dear fellow believers, is not just a day for remembering and celebrating the resurrection of Christ, but it's also a day for remembering and celebrating our resurrection with Christ. That's the word of God in Colossians 3 verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ. And you must not stumble over that word if. That doesn't mean there's some doubt about it, that we are risen with Christ. But the idea there is because, because ye are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Christ is risen, and we are risen with him. And risen with him, that's the word of God here too. We must seek those things which are above and set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's to that word of God that I call your attention this evening, and I'm going to change the theme of this evening's sermon and focus on those first words of the passage, risen with Christ. And I want to talk this evening about that wonderful reality, because that's what it is. The Word of God does not say you will be risen with Christ, but it says you are. So that's the first thing, the wonderful reality of being risen with Christ. Then the lifelong calling that results from that, 
That calling is set before us in the last part of verse 1 and in verse 2. And finally, we're going to look at the blessed future that's promised in this passage to those who are risen with Christ and who seek those things which are above. The word of God says in verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Fundamental truth of this passage is the theme that you and I, by the grace of God, are risen, are risen with Christ. Did you know that? That the resurrection of the dead is not just something future, but something that has already happened, Did you know that? That's the word of God here. If. Not if because there's any doubt about it. But if because it is absolutely true by the grace of God in Jesus Christ. If ye then. Be risen with Christ. You must understand, my dear friends, you must understand that our resurrection from the dead has three parts to it. And the resurrection of our bodies at the end of the world is only the third and last of those three parts. The first part of our resurrection with Christ takes place when we are regenerated, born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus. The second part of our resurrection, and we're not going to be talking about that this evening, the second part of our resurrection is when our souls fly away to be with Christ in heaven. And the third part, as I've said, It's the resurrection of our bodies at the end of the world. We're talking about that first spiritual resurrection. You might call it the resurrection of our souls. When we are raised by the grace of God in Jesus Christ, out of spiritual death, into new life. I think you'll understand that better if 
you remember that our regeneration, our spiritual rebirth, can be described as God's planting in us the resurrection life of Christ himself. You and I, that's the beginning of our resurrection, have the life of Christ, the heavenly resurrection life of Christ within us. When we're regenerated, and we have that then too through faith, because when we're regenerated, God, in giving us the gift of faith, unites us to Christ, makes us, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5, one bone, one flesh, with Christ. He the head, we the body and the members of his body. And as members of Christ united to him by faith, that resurrection life of Christ we share. In fact, we share everything that's his through faith. His father becomes our father. His spirit becomes the spirit who lives in us. His home in heaven becomes our home. All that's in Christ Jesus becomes ours by faith. Here, his resurrection life. And that's what the Word of God is talking about when it says, If ye then be raised with Christ. That's true of every believer, every child of God, regenerated and renewed by the Spirit of God, has that life of Christ in him or in her. Even the children who believe in Jesus Christ have Christ's life in their hearts. Apostle Paul talks about that too in that beautiful confession of Galatians 2 verse 20. He says, I am crucified with Christ, and he's talking about the fact that we are one body with Christ and share everything, even his crucifixion. I am crucified with Christ, he says. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God 
who loved me and gave himself for me. That, to my mind at least, is one of the most amazing truths of the Word of God that we have, each one of us, the living Christ living in us. Here in Colossians 3, the Word of God explains that further when it says in verse 3, ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's an explanation of what we were just talking about. You're dead. Not, not here, dead in trespasses and sins, but because we are alive in Christ, we are dead to this world, dead to our previous life, dead to sin. That's Romans 6. Paul says there that verse 11 of Romans 6, he says that we have to apply that to ourselves. Likewise, he says, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Same thing that we have here in the first verses of Colossians. You're dead. The word of God says, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's Paul taking that truth of, the, of verse 1 and making every effort under the inspiration of the Spirit to help us understand what he's talking about. Your life is hid with Christ in God. So I was thinking about that and trying to think of something that would get the Word of God there across to you, trying to understand it myself, then it dawned on me that my being here in Dune is a kind of illustration of what the Word of God is talking about. I'm here, living here for a week, visiting with some of you, enjoying your fellowship, doing the work of preaching among you. 
But my life is not really here. And I think you understand that and aren't offended when I say that. My life is thousands of miles away where my wife is, where Neil is, where my fellow believers in Spokane are. That's where my life is. Even though I'm here for over a week, that's something like what the Apostle Paul says when he says your life is hid with Christ in God. You can't see my life over there. But that's where it is. I can't see it for a few days. But that's where it is. And the same is true of the believer. He's here in the world. He does his work here. Marries raises his family here, conducts his business here. But this isn't where his life is. His life is at home. But he has no home here. His life is where those who are dearest to him are. And I mean not just those believers who have died and gone to glory, but his life is where God is and where Christ is. That's what the Apostle Paul means when he says your life is hid with Christ, in God. And that's part of being risen with Christ. You see that when when for example, an unbeliever asks you or me, why do you spend every Sunday in church? Twice a Sunday. Why don't you take part of the day for yourself? Go to the lake or something like that. And the believer says to him, but those who are dearest to me, my brothers and sisters in Christ, are there. And Christ has pro- himself has promised that wherever two or three are gathered in his name, he'll be there. Do you think I want to be anywhere else? My life is with him. 
with them already now. And I'm looking forward to the day when in heaven that will be my life for all eternity. That's the kind of thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Your life is hid with Christ and God and certainly hidden from those who do not believe. They don't have a clue, do they? They have the same thing, you young people. When someone invites you to go out drinking, carousing, pressures you to try drugs or something like that. And you say to them, no, probably don't say it in those words, but you say to them, no, that's not my life. I understand that it's yours. I understand that you don't have any other life but that, but that's not my life, nor is it the life that I want. My life is hid with Christ in God. I have the resurrection life of Christ in me, and my whole life is aimed at him and at heaven where he is. I can't live your life. Can't possibly live it. Not anymore. Even if once I did. That's the kind of thing that the word of God is talking about here. Our life is hid, and I trust that's true of each of you. Our life is hid with Christ in God. It really does not belong to this world anymore. We've learned that satisfaction, happiness, peace, Pleasure are not to be found here in the world, but in God. I've learned what the Psalms say at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And learning that everything in this life pales in comparison. The longer we're here, the less it means to us. We find out over and over again that there really is nothing in this life that matters, of course, except God, family, and church. 
But that's part of our life with Christ, as we'll see in a moment. Until finally, and then we're almost ready for heaven, we don't even care about the things of this world anymore. What mattered once doesn't matter anymore. What we thought was important isn't important, not anymore. And that's all because our life is hid with Christ in God. Wonderful, isn't it? If you know, know because you're risen with Christ, what I'm talking about, then you don't want ever again anything but that. Oh, I know the flesh is there. We'll talk about that too in a moment. Drags us back, holds us down. But when you come right down to it, the confession of the believer is the confession of Paul in Galatians 2 verse 20. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. But that means, and I come now to the second point of my sermon this evening, that means that it's the things above that really matter. It means that we set our affection on those things not on things on the earth. I suppose you could put it this way, that because the life that we have is the heavenly resurrection life of Christ, that life seeks its own level. I was thinking about that when I was out walking this week and walked up by the water tower. Water tower is up on the hill there because water seeks its own level. If you put the water tower down at the lowest part of town, you wouldn't get any water out of your faucets when you turned them on. Because water seeks its own level, because the water tower is there at the highest point of the town, you get water when you turn on your faucet. Well, that's the way it is with the life of Christ, because that life is heavenly. It seeks those things which are above, loves those things which are above, rises, you could say, above this world. 
and does that in seeing that there isn't any peace, satisfaction, blessedness here. No home here. Rises above rises above those who are of whom we sing in Psalter number thirty one. This is the sixth stanza of that Psalter number where we sing Defend me from the men of pride whose portion is below, who with life's treasures satisfied, no better portion, no. They with earth's joys and wealth content must leave them all when life is spent. Our life rises heavenward, rises above that. And of course, that's verse, the seventh stanza that's Psalter number two. When I in righteousness at last thy glorious face shall see, when all the weary night is past, and I awake with thee to view the glories that abide, then, then I shall be satisfied. Those things above of which the Word of God speaks are the treasures of the kingdom of heaven. Spiritual treasures. The treasures nevertheless. Righteousness. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Peace with God and all the other gifts of grace. Hope in a hopeless world. A world that's fast on its way to hell. Those are the things on which we set our affections. To go back to something I said earlier about being in church. Someone asks you, why, why do you go to church twice every Sunday? Why do you even bother? I know some of those people. Why do you bother with them? Then you say, Ah, but there I get a glimpse into God's treasury and see the splendor. I don't see it very well, but I see the splendor of the treasures that he's laid up for his people those treasures that I was talking about a moment ago. And I can tell you that I'm sure you won't listen to me or understand what I'm saying. I can tell you that nothing you have can possibly 
compare with them. Those treasures belong to the things above. Belonging to those things above is heaven itself. Heaven itself, which, though none of us have seen it, is nevertheless, we know, so much more wonderful than this world and what we have here. That it hasn't, as Paul says in Corinthians, even entered into the heart of man to understand what God has prepared for those who love him. Heaven belongs to those things above. But at the heart of it all, those things above is God himself. In Christ, we have difficulty appreciating that here and now. We'll talk about that in a minute. But if you read those last chapters of Revelation, they say over and over again, this is the glory of heaven. This is what heaven is about. This is everlasting blessedness. God himself, as the God of his people, in Jesus Christ our Lord. That begins already in chapter 21 and continues in chapter 20, 22. There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. Chapter 21, the Apostle John says, I saw no temple therein, for the the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. That's at the heart of what Paul calls the things above. God himself, as the God of his people, revealing himself in Jesus Christ as their covenant friend and as their God. Oh, it's true, you know, that there every tear will be wiped away. No more sorrow, no more pain. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that the tabernacle of God, 
is there with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And if you know him, know his love, his eternal love, his mercy and grace and loving kindness in Jesus Christ. Know it here and now. Then you know why Revelation speaks that way. And then those things that are above. God himself in Christ at the heart of them. are, as the word of God says here, the things that you see, too. In a way that's inevitable, that we seek those things above, that goes back to what I said a moment ago about water seeking its own level. How can it be otherwise? If I have the life, the heavenly resurrection life of Christ, how can it be that those heavenly things are not finally the things that I love and cherish? God's family, God himself, God's home in heaven, his mercies and loving kindnesses, how could it be otherwise? But I'm commanded here, too, in Colossians 3, to seek those things above and to set my affection on those things above because I have that old sinful nature that belongs to this world and clings to this world and loves this world. And is still, still sadly attracted to the sinful pleasures of this world and to the life that the world lives. They seem so carefree. Or as Asaph puts it, their hearts. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. Well, I am daily chastened and plagued. My flesh still says yes to that. And so I have to be told, seek the things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. And by God's grace, the grace that comes through those commands, I begin to do, though with a small beginning of obedience, what the word of God requires of me. The father. I don't just take care of my children and provide for their earthly needs or as a mother, but I do that with an eye 
of my heavenly Father. And I do it too, not just because I love them as my own flesh and blood, but I take care of them and provide for them as father or mother in the hope that they will see the value of those things above and will someday enjoy them forever. As a husband or a wife, I do my best to be a good husband or wife. But I do that because I have my eye on Christ. As the husband of the church. And so it is in every area of my life. I go to work, but I don't go to work just to earn a living. Or so that I can enjoy some of the luxuries of life. But I go to work because I know that my work is not in vain in the Lord. That he uses my work. And that in doing my work, doing it cheerfully, honestly, diligently, I'm doing it for him. Whether it's changing diapers, writing essays in school, driving a truck, or a tractor, don't make any difference. I've set my affection on things above. I love Christ, who is my real master. I love him as the husband of the church. In everything I do, I seek his honor and glory. But because the flesh is always there, I have to be told to do that. When I do, I say with the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2 verse 20, Yet not I, but Christ in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I say too, of course, as I struggle with, with my flesh, so attracted yet to this world and all that belongs to this world, I say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So, seek those things which are above. In everything you do, every area of your life, walk with your 
eyes on heaven. Wouldn't be safe to do that if you were hiking in the mountains where we live. But that's the only way a child of God can make his way through this world. As strange as it may seem, if he's always looking down, he's going to stumble and fall. It's only when he walks with his affections, his heart, his eyes, heavenward, that he walks as he should here in this world. Think of the grave. If all you do is look down, when you're at the graveside of a loved one, fellow church member, What will you see? But if you look up at the graveside, and I think you know what I'm talking about, look up by the word of God. Look up through prayer. Then you see. See enough to be able to say, Oh, death. Where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say that through your tears, and as you mourn the loss of someone you love, seek those things which are above. And we have to finish. The promise is, that's verse 4, that seeking you will always find. Seeking you shall find Knock and it shall be opened unto you. That's what verse 4 is about. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Seeking those treasures that we talked about, righteousness, joy in the Holy Spirit, peace, Seeking those things you will find. Find, first of all, of course, that nothing on earth can compare. But we'll find those things. Not because you seek, but because you're risen with Christ. And because your life is hid with Christ in God, heaven belongs to those things above. And you will, seeking heaven, seeking it in all you do, in all you say, 
you will find yourself there in that glory unspeakable. You will. God promises it. And seeking God himself, in Christ Jesus our Lord, you will someday enjoy the blessedness and know why there is nothing that can compare with seeing the face of God himself in the face of Christ Jesus our Lord. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Life's pathway thou wilt show, to thy right hand wilt guide, where streams of pleasure ever flow, and boundless joys abide. That's the word of God here in Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. And that's worth celebrating, isn't it? Not apart from the resurrection of Christ, but because Christ being raised, I also am raised with him. Amen. Father, we thank Thee for the precious treasures of Thy Word. Thank Thee that we have been given a glimpse of them this evening. And ask, Father, that those things which are above, by the Word of God and the work of the Spirit, may rapture our hearts so that we learn that nothing can compare with those things which thou hast prepared for those who love thee. Forgive again the sins that we commit when we speak of these things, for we can only stammer of them. Forgive us all our sins. And give us grace to remember the rest of this Lord's day, and to keep it holy. In the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, and for his sake, amen.